I'm doing a series from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 7 now that I'm up to. Uh, I don't know how many of you have read through the book of Nehemiah. I uh, haven't tried to read through, but I can be quite certain that when you read chapter 7, you probably will skip it over. Why? Because there are just a bunch of names. Uh, all the names listed there. The most interesting thing about Nehemiah chapter 7 is that it is an identical name that's reflected in Ezra chapter 2. The book before Nehemiah is Ezra, and uh, Ezra chapter 2 and Nehemiah chapter 7, they are identical. A little bit of differences, but mainly identical. Listing down the genealogy of people who return back. Uh, interestingly, I believe they are... They are amazing things that we can learn from even through names. Did you know that God elected and selected the Jewish people to represent Him on earth? And in Genesis chapter 12, it was very clear that when Jesus, when God called a nation, a people group to represent Him on earth, He chose the Jewish people. And then in chapter 12 of Genesis, this is what God said to Abraham. He said, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Because before that, they have no land, no people. Just chose Abraham. And then he said this to Abraham. He said, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. So those who bless Israel will be blessed. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And then the last sentence says this, And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Did you know that Jewish people have blessed the entire world? Did you know that out of the uh, 750 Nobel Prizes awarded worldwide, 162 were awarded to Jews. Did you know that 13% of the world Nobel Prizes in literature were awarded to Jewish people? 13%. Chemistry, 19%. Physics, 26% of all Nobel Prizes awarded in the field of physics are to Jewish people. Economics, 41%. Medicine, 28%. Peace, very low, 9%. We have great physicists. Albert Einstein is a Jew. Jonah Salt created first polio vaccine. Galileo discovered the speed of light. Salmon Wixman discovered streptomycin and coin the word that we use, antibiotics. Gabriel Lipman discovered color photography. Julius Mayer discovered law of thermodynamics. Sigmund Freud, father of psychotherapy. Christopher Columbus discovered America. Isaac Singer discovered what? Sewing machine. How many of household in... You know, when you're growing up, playing with a paddle of sewing machine. Levi Strauss, largest manufacturer of denim jeans, Levi. Calvin Klein, DKNY. Joseph Putlitzer, 
established Pulitzer Prize for achievements in journalism, literature, music, and art. Sergey Brin and Larry Page, co-founder of Google, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. Does it affect the world? Roman Abramovic, Warner Brothers, Harry Houdini, David Copperfield, actor Daniel Day-Lewis, the only actor that has won three Best Actor Academy Awards in history, Daniel Day-Lewis, Sean Penn, Jerry Seinfeld, Billy Crystal, Harrison Ford, Michael Douglas, Steven Spielberg, Barbara Streisand, Dustin Hoffman, and even the Three Stooges are all you. And many, 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 many more that I have no time to list it down for you. God has used the Jewish people to bless the world. The world. And so it is no accident, even in Nehemiah chapter 7, that God deliberately listed down all these names for a purpose that I will tell you why. Sometimes in life, we need to just take stock a little bit and ask ourselves where we are heading. Kao Zhang, the, uh, the uh, Swiss psychiatrist, said that the central neurosis of our time is emptiness. Clinics are crowded with people suffering from a new kind of neurosis, a sense of total and ultimate meaninglessness of life. So much to live on, but so little to live for. Even Freddie Mercury, the lead singer for Queen, says before he died of AIDS, he had an interview and he said this, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. And that is the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving ongoing relationship. And he admitted before his death that he was desperately lonely. He was desperately lonely. And the kind of loneliness that sometimes get, can only fill by this vacuum. C.S. Lewis said that there's always this vacuum, this God-shaped vacuum in our heart that only God can perfectly fill in that vacuum in our heart. And Surprisingly, Nehemiah chapter 7 provides some answer uh, to us in, in telling us what really counts in life, what counts for God, what really matters to God. And if we can find out what really matters to God and it must align our life, what matters to us, then we can find this kind of real fulfillment in this world that we live in. Nehemiah chapter 6, 1 to 6 Describe about the restoration of the wall of Jerusalem. We concluded last week that after 52 days, the wall was built. So chapter 1 to 6, concentrate on the rebuilding of the wall. And then as we move on from chapter 8 to 13, it tells about the restoration of the people of Judah. No more the wall, now the people. How God is going to restore the people of Judah. And then smack in between that is chapter 7. Chapter 7 begins with three verses describing the precautions that Nehemiah took to guard the newly war city from attack. And so that's wrapping up the first half of the book. And then from verses 4 to 73, he looked forward 
to the reforms of the second half of the book by showing how Nehemiah went about repopulating the city so that it would become a vital center for national and spiritual life. They are not randomly listed to just fill up space in our Bible. The list of names, of course, is given for us historical to show um, who among the Jews had returned to the land, as well as spiritually to remind us that God knows each one of us by name. Nehemiah was a great man. Nehemiah, if you know one, chapter 1 to 6, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He was a man of purpose. He was a man of persuasion. He was a man of perspective. He was also a man of perseverance, persistence. And so we're going to look at chapter 7. Uh, don't bother trying to read through uh, those names. You will probably give up, uh, expose your inability to pronounce some of these kind of difficult names, and it will bore you to sleep as well. So I don't want to read through. But I want to review to you five things that I learned from this passage. Five things that really, really matter to God, even through these names. Five things that matter to God, and if it matters to God, it must be matter to us. And when it matters to us, then we will begin to, to count for God in our lives here. Okay, let me just give you five things that count, uh, five things that really matter to God in the 25 minutes that I have. 1.5 minutes, okay? First one, worship matters to God. Worship matters to God. Once the wall is built after 52 days, you know what's the first thing that Nehemiah did? He established worship. Look at verse 1. The very first thing, once the wall is built after 52 days, the very first thing that he needs to do is after the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. The purpose of rebuilding the wall was not just protecting the city from invaders. While well, it does the job, it was not just so that everyone could live securely. It was primarily so that the worship of God in the temple could take place. Worship is so essential, so important to them. And worship matters to God. Look at three groups of people there. Gatekeepers, musicians, and Levites. And I take it that gatekeepers look after what? The physical side, isn't it? The physical need was protection. So the gatekeepers were there to protect. And then you have musicians. Musicians are more, singers are more spiritual. Like singing often is the purpose of connecting our hearts, warm our emotions, and to prepare us from receiving God's word which were delivered by the Levites. So you can see body, soul, and mind are all engaged in worship. And we should not uh, kind of disengaged though to body, spirit, and mind. Nehemiah's appointment of the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites testified to his priorities for body, spirit, and mind. The people needed physical and moral protection, inspiring worship, and effective teaching. All must be one. Effective teaching, good worship with contenting us emotions, our mind need to learn, no need to know that our emotion must be grounded in the truth of God and the gatekeepers provide us physical. Maybe in this instance, we have physical food as well. I have, I have never come across this best definition of worship by Archbishop William Temple. He defined worship this way. He said, worship is a submission 
of all of our nature to God. It is a quickening of the conscience by His holiness, the nourishment of mind with His truth, the purifying of imagination by His beauty, the opening of the heart to His love, the surrender of will to His purpose. All this gathered us in adoration, the most selfless emotion which our nature is capable. Worship matters to God. Is worship your priority? Even coming to church, worship, is this your priority? Or is it down at the least? If I don't have anything on Sunday morning, I don't come. I, it's just when I'm, when I'm available, I come. If the other things crop up, I cannot come, I don't come. Is it your priority? Worship matters to God. There are many people who are caught up in many, many work, assignment, and all that. They always neglect worship, coming together as the body of Christ, worship the Lord together through singing, through eating together, through the preaching of God's word, nourishing our mind, our heart, worshiping together. So much of our conflict in worship comes down sometimes to conflict in small little things. Sometimes of the songs, too loud, oh, you sing song type of song, oh, I don't like hymns, I don't like... Skin. We are all caught up with this kind of petty little things the big and, and miss out on the larger scale of worshiping together together someone has written about the difference in worship styles in the story form uh, using a bit of humor an old farmer went to the city one weekend and he attended the big city church he came home and his wife asked him how was it he said oh, it's okay they did a little bit different you know it's a bit different what's so different well they sing kind of songs instead of hymns well, the wife asked, so, so what's the difference between praise song and hymns? He asked his, his husband. Well it's, well, it's something like this, all right? If I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn. Well, that would be a hymn. But if, on the other hand, I were to say to you, Oh, Martha, 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 Martha. Oh, Martha, Martha, Martha. The cows, the big cows, the brown cows, the black cows, the white cows, the black and the white cows, the cows, the cows, the cows. They are in the corn, 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 corn. And then if I were to repeat the whole thing two or three times, well, that would be a praise song. <laughs> or someone said to me, a uh, uh, modern song are like 7 11. Uh, seven lines sing 11 times. Uh, but the next Sunday, but the next Sunday, a, a young and a new Christian went to a small town church. And he came home and his, his wife asked him, how, he, how was it? How was it? He said, well, they're a bit different. He said, what different? They sing praise song. They don't, no, they sing hymns instead of praise song. He said, well, what, what is hymns? Well, he said, well, what's the difference? Well, the young man said, well, it's like this. If I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn, that would be a regular praise song. If on the other hand, I would say to you, Oh, Martha, dear Martha, hear thou my cry. Incline us thy ear to the words of my mouth. Turn thou thy whole wondrous ear by and by. Man, they are so long, I can't read, man. And blah, 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 and on. And then if I were to sing over verses 1, 3, and 4, and then do a key change on the last verse, well, that would be a hymn. 
you know, we, we fight over, to me, this kind of unnecessary things. When we sing, it's for us to worship the Lord. If you can't sing, if the music seems unfamiliar to you, meditate on the words. Praying, sing, and worship together as believers. Worship matters to God. And if it matters to God, listed now in chapter 7, Nehemiah's first priority to establish worship. When worship matters to God, it must matter to us. So firstly, worship matters to God. Second thing that matters to God is godly character matters to God. Godly character matters to God. Look at verse 2. After he instilled the musician, the Levites, the gatekeepers, he says this. He said, I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel. Why? Because he was a man of integrity and he feared God more than most people do. Two, two qualities there. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot meaning only the midday. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their own houses. Nehemiah was an exemplary leader who knew that to be effective, he needed to delegate responsibility to other competent men. And he chose these two men. Hanani was probably his brother. You remember chapter 1, he was the one who brought back the the news that Jerusalem was in ruin. And then he also appointed this guy called Hananiah uh, as the military leader because he was a faithful man and he feared God more than many. Together, they are charged not to open the city gates until the sun was hot. And they are also to appoint guards from the residents of the city. Two wonderful qualities there. They were to be faithful to God and they feared God. Some one said that the greatest ability is dependability. The greatest ability is dependability. If you are dependable, that is one of the great assets in your life. Is it not true? If you are dependable, that is very good asset in your life. You will go anywhere and bring along this great asset to anyone, to any team, to any company, to any church, to any leadership team, if you are dependable. The greatest ability is dependability. Not necessarily an analysis skill. When you're dependable, you carry out your task, uh, you are faithful. If we truly fear the Lord, we will be faithful to do the work He has called us to do. When leaders fear people instead of fearing God, they end up getting trapped and that leads to failure. British statesman George Canning says, my road must be through character to power. I will try no other cause. And I'm sanguine enough to believe that this cause, though not perhaps the quickest, is the surest. Faithful. Faithful to the Lord. God value godly character. And he listed down here, faithful to God. Faithful to the task that God has given you to do. Just be faithful and don't have to think about whether successful or not. Who measures success anyway? Who? Who say whether you're successful or not in ministry? Who? How do you measure? You just need to be faithful. Let God be the one 
who gives you the judgment in the future. Norman Geisler. Norman Geisler is, a, is an apologetic author. Apologetic is a science in Christian study known as defending the gospel. Uh, uh, I, I did a subject in my postgraduate Christian apologetic and one of the books that we have to read is Norman Geisler book even under apologetic there are many ways of defending the gospel and Norman Geisler uh, specializes in the apologetic, uh, apologetic called the evidential approach it means you use evidence to, to, to talk about uh, winning people over he's a great author clear thinker when you read it's very easy to understand very, very complex thing but able to make it very simple for people to understand and Norman Geisler and I read about him as a child he went to attend uh, uh, during school holiday the vocational Bible school which I hope one day we are able to do here as well enough help a vocational Bible school because he was invited by some neighbor's children he went back to the same church after attending the VBS for Sunday school classes for over 400 Sundays you can calculate how many years was that divided by 52 maybe. Uh, 400 Sundays each week he was faithfully picked up by a bus driver week after week he attended church but he never made a commitment to Christ finally during his senior year in high school according to him after being picked up for church by this bus driver 400 times he did finally commit his life to Christ and this is what he wrote he said what if that bus driver had given up on me at 395 times what if the bus driver had said this kid is going nowhere spiritually why waste any more time on him but he said I thank God that that bus driver didn't and as a result I gave my life to Jesus Christ and not only he became a Christian, became a leader, he became a very a voice in the Christian apologetic circle, writing books on the evidential method of apologetics. Great man, faithfulness. So godly characters matter to God, and this specific text, it talks about being faithful to God in the task that God has given to you. When you are able to know that you are serving God then you will be faithful. All other obstacles you are able to overlook because your main focus is that I am serving God. Third thing that matters to God is your place in God's family history matter to God. Your place in God's family history matters to God. We are here for a reason we are here for a season. We play a part. Why were you not born in the 15th century? Why weren't you born in the last century? Why were you here? Why are you here? Why did you not stay in Malaysia or Singapore? or where? Why did your parents migrate here and brought you over here and you were born here? You are here for a reason. You are here for a season. Your place in God's family history matters to God. I remember attending Sarah, your grand uh, your grandfather's funeral. He was 102, is it? 103 years old. I remember sitting in the ECC church attending his grandfather's funeral. And James Chua, which is your father, stood up and said this. He said, My father uh, uh, left the country 
China, went to Malaysia to work, and eventually able to send, I can't remember, like eight or ten children overseas for study. And as a result, we are here, and all the descendants are here. And in my mind, I sat down here, I said, one man's decision to leave the country, one man, the entire children, the children, children, the children's children, 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 all the entire generation stay root here. And one convert to become Christians, the whole family subsequently. So when you win someone to the Lord, you're not winning one person, you're winning the whole family, the generations, eventually to the Lord. Your place in God's family history matters to God. You are here for a reason, you are here for a season only. Look at verse 4 and 5. Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it. And yet the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So my God, Nehemiah say, God put it into my heart to assemble these people together and to register them by families. I found the, and then he found this genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. This is what I found written there. And then he going to list down all the names. These names are names that we don't know. But each name has a life. They live their life. Like 100 years later, my name means nothing. Your name probably, I don't know, it means nothing. You know? But it's a life that God is you. We, we are part of this tapestry, this, this series of things that we don't know. You know, we just play a part of it. They contribute, they contingent to other things that we have no clue how. This person shared this gospel. If this person sowed this seed in my life, we don't know. God oversees all this thing and we are only here for a season and for a reason. God put you here at this point in the history of His people to fulfill the role that He has ordained for you. Previous generation, they passed the torch to you. You must carry it faithfully and pass it on to the next generation. Just that we're rebuilding of this church. Come September, we are going to have half of the church left because the other side of the church is going to start doing the work. And that is why you see it towards the end, we are keeping all the chairs now because half, we are trying to push people forward so that we don't have to stack up chairs unnecessarily because half of this space, we are going to have it for refreshment. We put food outside the foyer and then we have, we can come in here to have lunch. And so, so half of the church will be starting September. You're going to see the update coming up soon. And I often tell people, we Sun Life amalgamate with Pathway Baptist Church. Pathway, uh, Bulim Baptist Church in the past, they are first generation. 50 years ago, people have contributed money. They have sacrificed so much in building this church so that we, when we amalgamate, we have a place to worship. Did you pay a single cent to this building? No. So to me, it is our turn it is our turn to raise money, to give, so that this church can pass to the next generation. We are recipient and benefit of what they sacrifice. And it is our turn to pass it on to the next generation. Because the church will outlive all of us. And the church needs to be a beacon of light in this community. And it is our responsibility. So don't complain. Uh, I heard some murmuring here and there. Yeah, we are the one that are giving more money. Raise, uh, rightly so. Rightly so. They have already given twice to the building 
of this place in an extension and all that. It is our turn to pass it on to the next generation. Every Christian in your one, in your one lifetime need to involve in one building project. Just like you as a, an individual, in your lifetime you want to own a home. In your one lifetime as a believer, you must involve in one building project, contributing to the Lord's work so as to pass it on to the future generation. And for those of you who have children, your children will be the beneficial. They have a place here. Increasingly, churches are being pulled down and being converted to mosques and restaurants and all that. We need to protect the existing license of this church that's allowed to stand here. And so here, you matter. You may, your place in God's family history matters to God. And the fourth one, fourth one is your understanding and commitment to God's purpose matters to God. Your understanding and commitment to God's purpose matter to God. God allowed the people to enter into exile for only 70 years right down to the precision point. 70 years passed, the people returned back to rebuild the wall, um, to do, return back to their homeland. 70 years, just like 1948 with the creation of Israel. Before that, it had been torn apart. God promised that there will be a gathering of people, they will have their own country. 1948, Israel has a nation. Uh, it's miraculous that how they can obtain the people group has been scattered for thousands of years are able to come back together and a country were designated for you. And, and, and they return back. So your understanding and commitment to God's purpose matters to Him, to God. These are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles, whom Nebuchadnezzar, see the king of Babylon, huh? the, the Babylon Empire, had taken captive. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his hometown. And then he went on to list down all these names, which I don't think I would like to uh, spend time reading through all these names. You may think that I probably am speaking in tongues. But down to verse 33, 73, the last verse, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the temple servants, along with certain of the people and the rest of the Israelites, settled in their own towns. Your commitment to the purpose of God. God has a purpose in allowing the people for exiles and all that, but He always brings these people back to God's purpose is to glorify Him. God's purpose, your life here is very short. Our dear sister Gina is on her, in her final days. Final days. And I often pray and I say, Lord, uh, give her comfort and peace. Uh, let her know that death is not the termination of life for Christian. Death is only a transition to eternity. Actually, for Christian, death is only a change of address. No more 29 Long Valley Way, Doncaster. Just change of address. That's all. It's just change of address. For Christian, it's just a change of address. You move, that's all. It's not the termination of life. It is the transition into eternity. Now, I need to push on. The last one that I want to give to you is people matter to God. People matter to God. In verses 8 to 73, he went down to list down all these names that we don't know who they are. But people matter to God. God knows each one of us by name. 
Individuals are important to God. The whole assembly together was 42,360. And it is only, Pastor Bruce corrected me and said, those are only men. It doesn't even include women and children. Individuals are important to God. God knows each one of us by name. I try very hard to remember people by name. Even in the restaurant, waiters, I always remember their name. I write it down so that when I return, I can call them by name. In a checkout counter, I will always thank the person by name. I make an effort to look at their name and call them by name. Individuals are important to God. Jesus is our good shepherd and he calls his own sheep by name. By name. And they follow him because they know his voice. I may not know everybody's name, but I try to remember. But God remembers your name. I've learned that even if I forget your name, I'll just call one name. Then you'll correct me. You know, one day Tony, the next day become Michael. Um, but God knows you by name. And make sure that God knows you by name. Make sure. Well, don't, maybe you ask me, doesn't Jesus know everyone by name? Yes, in the sense, He's omniscient, He knows us by name. But in the sense of His personal knowledge, no. Because on the last day, it says that unless your name is written in the book of life, then you will have eternal life. And the way to have your name written in the book of life is to believe in Jesus. Believe that Jesus died for your sin. You accept Him as your Lord and Savior and come under the worship of this God. Individual matters to God. Make sure your name is written in the book of life. Make sure He knows your name. Secondly, not just only individuals are important to God, families are important to God. From verses 8 to 25, the list contains many, many family groups. God designed the family as the basic unit of society. A man and woman are to leave their own families of origin and come together in a lifelong covenant relationship. And in that context, children are to be born and reared in God's way as revealed in His Word. One person will leave the nuclear family and be united to the wife and they form a new nuclear family. And then they move on. So parents need to learn how to let go of the children when they depart from us so that they can have a form in a new nuclear family. Families are important to God. The society falls apart is because family has fallen apart. And so people matter to God. So no one is beyond hope or beyond uh, uh, redemption or hopeless. You know, we shouldn't use these kind of words. Everybody matters to God. God loves each one of us. He does. Like the famous song that we learned, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Because individual matters to God. It matters to God more than you can ever imagine. And so those are the things that matter to God. Worship matters to God. Godly characters matter to God. Your place in God's history matters to God. Understanding God's uh, purpose and the commitment to it matters to God. And people matters to God. People matters to God. Just live and be conscious of where you are and where you are, what God has entrusted to you. Just faithfully live it out where you are. There was a story. Let me close with this. Uh, there was a story about a master 
the master was searching for a vessel to use. And on the shelf, there were many, many vessels. Which one would he choose? Take me! cried the gold-colored one. I'm shiny and bright. I'm of great value and I do things just right. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest. And for someone like you, master, gold would be the best. The master passed on with no word at all. He looked at the silver urn, narrow and tall. I'll serve you, dear master. I'll pour out your wine and I'll be at your table whenever you dine. My lines are so graceful, my carving so true, and my silver will always compliment you. Unheeding, the master passed on to the brass. It was wide mouth and shallow and polished like glass. Here, here, cried the vessel. I know I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me, caught the goblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my content so clear, so dear. Though fragile am I, I will serve you with pride. And I'm sure I'll be happy in your house to abide. The master came next to a vessel of wood, polished and carved. It solidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bow said. But I'll rather you use me for fruit and not for bread. And then the master looked down and he saw a vessel of clay. Empty and broken, it helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and to make whole, to fill and to use. And the master said, Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend and use it and make it all mine. I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on the shelf, nor the one who is big mouth and shallow and loud, nor one who displays his content so proud, not the one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plain, earthy vessel filled with my power and might. And then gently, he lifted the vessel of clay. He mended it, he cleansed it, and he filled it that day. He spoke to it kindly. Now listen to this word. He said to this vessel kindly and said this to him, there's work you must do. Just pour out to others as I pour into you. That's all. That is what makes you count for God. Just pour out to others as I pour into you. Just pour out to others as I pour into you. Empty yourself the Lord and you will realize that your life become make sense in matters and count for God Father thank you for uh, Nehemiah chapter 7 it may seem like a like those names they are long and meaningless and yet it tells us so many things that worship matter to you character matter to you our place in your history in this junction 21st century 2018 we live in the 21st century some crossover from 20th century we are at this point of history for a season for a reason and it matters it matters to you because we are precious to you our purpose our commitment to you and people matter to you you love us you love us. We are human beings. We are not human doing. 
we are human being. We be. The being is important. And our being, not just defined by our doing. There's so many people lost their identity when they are no longer able to do what they are able to do in the past. And because their whole identity has been wrapped up with what they do. But we are human beings. Our identity is grounded in Jesus Christ because you love us. Whether we can do or not, you love us because we matter to you. You fashioned us. You made us. We are not kind of randomly evolved accidentally. We are created by you. You chose us. You called us by name. We are precious in your sight. No matter how far we stray from you, you will always bring us back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your undying love for us. Thank you for your joy and peace. Thank you, Lord. Help each one of us here make a commitment to you uh, to love you and to honor you, to live for you. And as we sing this song, Lord, we are reminded that we are saved by grace. We stand amazed at the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? as we close with these beautiful hymns again. This is a hymn actually. In case you don't know, it's a hymn. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and I wonder how he could
Father, may we leave this place knowing deep in our hearts that you are for us and not against us. Many of us often carry along that you are always against us. You're always not pleased with us. You're always angry with us. You're always ready to strike us and punish us and judge us. Help us know that you love us. You are for us and not against us. Even when we are doing wrong, you are for us in cajoling us back. Thank you, Lord, for your love. How marvelous, how wonderful to know the Father heart of God who loves us. May the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, His unfailing, unconditional, amazing love of God and the empowering presence, fellowship, empowering Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you.